So, Rachel. Yeah. The Enterprise becomes enveloped by a void in space where the crew is tested by a powerful alien presence. Hmm. What do you think you're going to get? Sounds like every other episode. So I had to look at a picture oh, to right. get some ideas. Sure. There's a freaky green child on this view screen. <laughs> Let's say that Light Being is playing a game with them or trying to sell them Tranya. Hmm. Let's say it's Riker centric. Picard being incapacitated is part of the test, mm -hmm. I'll guess. Okay, sure. Riker outmaneuvers the freaky child. Troy is away. Oh. Uh, Let's see. Let's see. Rachel watches Star Trek. With reason. About war for Commander Riker? Both. I think it is perhaps best to be ignorant of certain elements of Klingon psyche. Well, Captain, I'm worried as well about this episode. <laughs> and rightly so. <laughs> this episode is entitled Where Silence Has Lease, mm. which is from a poem by Robert Service called Spell of the Yukon. Oh. And here's the last stanza of the poem. I thought I'd just throw this out there. There's gold and it's haunting and haunting. It's luring me on as if old. Yet it isn't the gold that I'm wanting so much as just finding the gold. It's the great big broad land way up yonder. It's the forest where silence has lease. It's the beauty that thrills me with wonder. It's the stillness that fills me with peace. Oh, that was nice. Well done. Thank you. What that has to do with the episode, I have <laughs> zero idea. It doesn't make a lick of sense to me. I think they just liked the way it sounded and stuck it in there. So I found that poem quite chilling and beautiful, actually. Mm -hmm. I resonate with the, it's not the gold I want, but the finding of the gold yeah. maybe it's that sense of something's missing what do i need a new house a clear to-do list uh -huh. fulfillment then i'll have peace you know yeah they talk in in the poem it says the gold is silence wonder and peace i think yeah that sort of if i could only have or do this then i'd have contentment it's that sense that's haunting the present pulling you forward away from what you've already got mm -hmm. the not enoughness of Life. Yeah. Maybe it talks to that. I don't know. That's I, I what it said it, to me. I think so, yeah. But it's also What's just... What's that got to do? <laughs> no, no. I think it's also about the act of trying to find the thing is where he finds the happiness. It's not actually yeah. finding the thing. Because yeah. he's out in the forest where silence is least. It's the beauty that thrills me with wonder. It's the stillness that fills me with peace. The journey, the search. Yeah. So maybe that applies here. They are explorers. Uh, That's their motivation. Yeah. but Not this the data that they find because they never do anything with it. Particular episode, though, it doesn't feel like it. It really is any more bearing than any other episode of Star Trek, mm. really. In fact, this whole episode is been done. <laughs> oh, so many times been before. Been done. Gosh. Been there, done that. Mm-hmm. So it begins with the Enterprise in the Morgana Quadrant. Tensions are high as they are all weary of the kissing bandit. The what? Morgana, the kissing bandit. Mm -hmm. Sporting events. There was this woman called Morgana who would run out and and kiss sports guys, usually baseball. All right. Just a person. She was an actress, you know, model, wannabe. And, mm. you know, people go, oh, no, look out. There it's a kissing bandit. But everybody, because she's very pretty. So there, nobody was. They let her in. Oh, yeah, she didn't yeah. even have to go in disguise or anything. She, there was no band, banditry going on. It was yeah. all pre-organized and everything. But of course, the English equivalent is someone streaking a, a sort of unattractive 
male <laughs> streaking across the football field. Well, we had that in the United States as well, but obviously she's popular again in the Morgana Quadrant. She's got a whole quadrant named after her. I want to say quadrant of what? Hmm. Later on, they established that there are four quadrants in the galaxy. Right. There's Alpha, Beta, Gamma, and Delta Quadrant. Yeah. What the hell is the Morgana Quadrant? Hmm. Can't have another quadrant, can you? As we heard at the top, Picard is worried about Worf and Riker. Why? He's so emotional this season. Oh, yeah. I bet Troy is really soaking all that emotion up and having to do a lot of yoga. I, I, yeah, of course, I think so. Yeah. Worf and Riker are on some kind of alien world, sneaking around and finding some cool-looking monsters, one of whom seems to be Skeletor. Totally. Lots of netting there and yeah. creatures leaping out. Worf is very snarly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got they, an old Klingon. But the aliens, of course, are defeated. But it causes Worf to go into some kind of battle frenzy. And Riker has to shout, shout him down because it seems like he's going to attack Riker. Yeah, it's not very convincing, though, is it? It is not. I feel like Dawn's kind of holding back. It's oh. the first time we've seen him do this, I suppose. Yeah. Apart from Naked Now, when he got a little bit snarly. Yeah. They're not sure who Worf is at this point yeah. yet. We get more of who he is. And looking back and watching this stuff, it seems preposterous that he mm. would you know, lose control and attack a it, superior uh, officer. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And Riker remains very calm, of yeah, course. Of course. Yeah, but he's Riker. <laughs> but the fun thing is, guess what? It's not real. It's the holodeck. <laughs> Exit holodeck. Do this every day? No, Commander. Usually my calisthenics are more intense. But those sessions are too personal to be shared. I'll bet they are. You know, Worf usually has sex with his combatants. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Often actually doing it during combat. Oh, yeah. consensual, I hope. Yeah, of course. Yeah, They're all holograms, are they? Yeah, they're into it. So maybe this is why Picard was worried. Another HR nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> On the bridge, Data gets a null reading in space. It has no matter or energy within it. They need a protocol for this now. It happens a third of the time and it's always something deadly. So they send a probe in, but it immediately gets lost. They lose contact with it like in three seconds. They send in a better probe and they lose contact with that one right away. Mm. And this is basically the whole episode. Vaguely <laughs> threatening things happening. Get out! So Data says there are no records of anything like this, but excuse me. <clears throat> I'd like to say that I think you'll find that there was an episode in the original series called The Immunity Syndrome where they had such a phenomenon. Thank you very much. Yeah. And actually it's very similar to many episodes. A lot of this episode reminds me of the, and not just me, the immunity syndrome. Mm. Lots of other people have said okay. this as well. Well, you can go back and listen to our coverage of the immunity syndrome. Mm -hmm. I started listening to it and then I ran out of time. Aww. It's the one where they all really needed a shore leave. Yes. But they ended up with this thing to deal with. And Spock senses a ship of Vulcans has died. So the thing has killed all these Vulcans, has it? That's right. And remember, I was just dissing Discovery. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, well, Sark can do this communication thing. And oh, I, yeah. I forgot about Spock being able to sense all the deaths of the Vulcans from like light years away. Yeah, which in our episode you said Star Wars ripped off. Yeah, I want to apologize to Discovery. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a few people out there who are not upset that you've dissed Discovery. Well, We're getting a little bit of kickback already. I know. Yeah. We're going to be dialing Discovery back to officially once per month. But Hopefully it was all right to do 
two a month because it was a two-part. It's a two-parter. Yeah. And we'll we'll save the next episode for the following month and find out what happened to poor Burnham. How's, mm. How's she going to get out of prison? Yeah. Back to the Next Generation episode. Mm-hmm. Ensign Crusher, who's at the helm, suggests that they can get closer to it maybe getting better reading. Oh, really? Well, come on. That's what we sent the probe in for. That didn't go well. So we're going to take the whole ship closer? But why? Terrible idea. What do they plan to get? They can't get anything here, yeah, so why, why can they get anything there? I'm, yeah, it all seems kind of dubious to me. Yeah, send a shuttlecraft in at most. But Picard agrees to this idea for some stupid reason, and they move closer, <laughs> but the void moves over them, so they are enveloped and surrounded by this void. And there's a nice kind of little bit of dialogue with Data where he's saying the main question of science is, I don't know. Then the chastising Data for not knowing what it is and having no readings. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was when Pulaski comes in and starts chewing oh, him out. Well, here she comes right in. <laughs> oh, Pulaski's the worst. She comes in and she's super racist. I mean, is it racist? Because he's an android? Well, just To mean. Data. For no reason. <laughs> yeah. It made me uncomfortable. Mm. Increased by 1,000, Mr. Data. By 10,000. It does know how to do these things, doesn't it? Commander Data knows precisely what he's doing. Forgive me, Mr. Data. I'm not accustomed to working with non-living devices that... Forgive me again. Your service record says that you are alive. I must accept that. (laughs) Screw you, Pulaski! (laughs) Yep! (laughs) Oh my god! Really laying it on thick there. God, she's like terrible. <laughs> like, could you imagine somebody saying this about anybody? I can imagine it if it wasn't so human-like. If it was a robot, completely metal. I could imagine calling it it and sure. being confused that it could do human things. Yeah. But Data, so human. He's so human. So lovable. <laughs> <laughs> At least she says she must accept that he's alive. Yeah, but to me, it's racking my brain that that's a hard thing for her. Humans are super good at anthropomorphizing things. Yeah. As in, we do it all the time. People anthropomorphize their animals, mm-hmm. inanimate objects, robots. Like you Give anything a face. You give it a Boom. face and a little bit of interaction, people will immediately yeah. treat it like it's a real thing. Old Japanese people, they give them those robotic seals. Seals, oh, I love those. Man, they love them. Yeah, of they, course. They treat them like best friends and stuff because that's just how humans work. The, the fact that she isn't anthropomorphizing this says something about her. Like, she's messed up. Aw, she's just different, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of our patrons has got some strong views on this. We okay. don't usually put patron comments in the main show. Oh, okay. But this person's defending Pulaski. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. It's Sludge Crawler. Maybe it says more about me and my past social interactions, but I never really got why Dr. Pulaski was seen as such a douche. (laughs) (laughs) I see her as a very professional, old-timey physician, dealing with flesh and blood her whole life, never one for the feely-feely part of the job, just now meeting an artificial being of neither flesh, blood, nor feelings. She's on the clock, in uniform, so why should she even make an effort to be nice to it? Data is an android, a unique machine built to look like human, a very advanced computer, walking, talking and extremely advanced, but still a computer. 
We love him for his childlike naivety, etc. But I doubt she would care much about a child's feelings or anyone else's for that matter. It's <laughs> a good point, isn't it? When doing her job. And again, they just met. I believe she reminds me of people with some kinds of high functioning autism. We may see her as rude and cold, but intent or lack of it makes all the difference to me. Please compare to Hugh Laurie's Dr. House or even Dr. Cox from Scrubs. Also, I don't like to play that card, but would she be disliked if she were a man? Now you make some good points there. Yes. Me personally, I did dislike the same things about McCoy and was fairly vocal about that. Yes, you were. You <laughs> yeah. were indeed, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like she's a McCoy. They brought her on to be a McCoy to data. It just doesn't work because there is no actual respect going on there. Yeah. I guess it develops a bit. The and next Data's so innocent. He doesn't always know he's being yeah. made fun of or well, can't yeah. really... But he also doesn't care. Get his own back. You know? Yeah. 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 He's not bothered. He, doesn't, he really doesn't have emotions. Do you think there's any part of the expectation that a woman will be nurturing warm? That kind of thing. No. That comes into it. No, I think a physician should be. That's yeah. not always the case, is it? No, it's not. I mean, I had a doctor when I lived in Santa Monica. He had <laughs> he had no um, <laughs> delicacy. He talked about, my, I have flat feet. And he goes, have you had your feet checked out? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, you walk like a knock-kneed retard. What do you mean you have <gasps> your feet checked out? And I said, um, oh, okay. What? Uh, yeah. Oh, my He goodness. said that to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is this the guy who was the POW? He wasn't a POW, but he was in Vietnam. Oh, I can imagine he's seen it all, but you still don't say something like that. Do you have to say? I mean, but he was no nonsense. And, I, and to his defense, when I had stomach problem that was really painful, he was super nice and caring and mm. not coarse with me. Yeah. Got me into the hospital, like in... 20 minutes i'm gonna take care of everything and i was like whoa why is it being yeah. so nice you see if we saw pulaski doing that kind of thing maybe she could earn a little bit of yeah this i think they try to do that with with deficit. diana and the childbirth yes, thing yeah. but it wasn't it no. wasn't quite there but thank you for the comment and yeah and actually the idea that she might be high functioning autistic mm -hmm. as well yeah Puts it in a different light. So yeah. maybe I'm being a little too harsh with her. Yeah. Picard decides it's time to get out there and do a Yui. <laughs> we both gonna... knew that wasn't happening. Yeah, of course. But he did not. But they kick it into warp and they're getting nowhere. Worth a try. They drop a beacon to try and figure out what's going on. Mm, what's that? It's like a device that sends out a, a signal. It just won't move because there's it's no left, atmosphere. It's left in space. And mm. then when they move away, they can see if they're actually moving or not. Right, yeah. And it, they are. Mm. So they move mm -hmm. away from it and it gets off their sensors and then boop, boop, boop in front oh, of them. No. So they're like in some kind of contained universe. Oh, dear. Just like that episode of Land of the Lost. Oh, yeah? Which I think I mentioned before. If I didn't, there's an episode of Land of the Lost uh, <laughs> where they go up to the mountaintop and they're looking around trying to figure out where they are in the Land of the Lost. The dad is like, oh, no. And they're like, what? what is it? And he goes, look over there. And they look over through their binoculars on the top of the mountain over there and they see their backs. Uh, ooh. Ooh, that happens later in this episode. Yeah. Marshall, something, and Holly well, on a routine exposition with the greatest earthquake ever known. Ever known. I only know that because you've sung it so many times. I've never watched the show. Some, that tiny some, ship. Something, something, many feet below. <laughs> I don't remember how it goes. It's been a while. Suddenly, they get readings and it's a cloaked ship, Romulan. <gasps> it uncloaks and attacks. The Enterprise fires back and the Romulan ship just blows up with no debris. Hollow Romulan, I reckon. Yeah, not really there. Immediately, you knew what? They're being tested. Yeah. It's so obvious. Here we go again. So then they get a galaxy class ship, the Yamato, or as I like to say, Yamato. 
You say your motto and I say your motto. Uh, there's no communication with the ship and there's also no life signs. So they decide to beam over Riker and Worf. Stupid experts rating. Beam them into a void. Well, it's not a void. They yeah, can see it. It's they haven't there. got anything on the sensors, have they? Yeah, they've got the ship on the sensors. There's no life forms on it. All right. Fair it's enough. not so bad. Send a couple of expendable people there first. We see O'Brien there, but they call him Lieutenant, even though he's actually established later as an enlisted man. And what does that mean? A lieutenant's an officer. So yeah. the people in the military that are higher ranks are officers, and the crewmen are the enlisted men, like a private or crewman in the Navy. They're right. just called crewmen. So you, basically all the menial jobs are done by the crew. Yeah. And you're not an officer. Oh, God. So there he goes. He beams them over. They're supposed to be together, but they're beamed to different parts of the ship. Riker hears Worf scream, and then he runs, and the Worf draws a phaser on him. He's like, what's going on? And and Worf says, I heard you scream. He goes, no, I heard you scream. Ah, uh, get out. <laughs> <laughs> The ship is laid out in some kind of way that doesn't make sense. It feels like this should be some kind of horror movie, but mm. there's no tension. It's yeah. really boring. It should be really disturbing. Yeah. I appreciate it would be in real life, but yeah, the way it unfolds. Yeah, so it's just much. really boring. I don't know. I mean, they try to make it creepier. They make it a little darker than the Enterprise, even though it's mm. obviously the same sets. You can see one person leaving and entering the same bridge simultaneously. Yeah. It's sort of a loop. Yeah, they walk on the same bridge over and over again, and Worf starts to flip out, and Riker has to say, pull it together. Mm. Is that supposed to link back to the earlier scene, do you think? So. I don't know what that scene was there for. So now back on the Enterprise, Wesley's gone from his position, and there's a new guy in the chair. Why? We'll soon find out. Oh, Ensign Haskell. A black man is at the helm, and I'm sure he's going to be a very interesting character, and we're going to learn a lot about his long career aboard the Enterprise. Yeah, he's been promoted in a crisis. This yeah. is going to be the making of him. It's going to be great for this guy. Ensign Haskell detects an opening, but as they move to go to it, it disappears. Mm. And this happens a few times, way too many times, until they give up. <laughs> they also don't want to exit because Riker and Worf are still away. Yes. They've lost contact with them. Mm -hmm. They really don't seem to guess that they're being messed with. Mm. Uh, I thought Picard is making a face like he knew what was going on, but he doesn't <laughs> know what's going on. Come on. Q's about to pop out or something. Oh, you must geez. know this by now. Yeah, God. So the Yamato begins to disappear just as Riker and Worf are beamed out. Riker flips out and runs up to the bridge and starts yelling at the captain. It's all really weird stuff. It just doesn't make sense for these characters. What the hell is going on? Are you all right, number one? I've had it. Let's put all this technology to work, figure out what is going on, and get the hell out of here. He's spooked. <laughs> At the writer's convenience. So weird. It just doesn't feel right. It's so clunky and bizarre, this episode. Later when he is about to die seconds away. He's so calm. <laughs> <laughs> now he's freaking out. Another hole opens up, but it keeps closing. Plasky suggests that they are like rats in a maze. And Troy, who's in this episode? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hi, Troy. Yeah, Didn't shit. even know you were there. She now senses some kind of intelligence. But since it's so alien to her, she couldn't detect it before. But when once Plassey says this, oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. A, there is a presence here. I do sense something unusual, is all she says. <laughs> Pathetic. Uh, Picard says they'll just wait and see what's happening. They're just going to not do anything. So just, They just don't know what to do with this character, do they? Oh. Yeah. It gets better. Okay. I know I keep saying it, but it does. All right. So just then a weird looking face appears on the screen. It's called Nagillum. And that's Mulligan spelled backwards because Richard Mulligan was the first choice for the actor who voiced Nagillum. But when they couldn't get him, they 
named the character after him. <laughs> what uh, a diss to the actor who did it. Yeah, well, that was Earl Bowen, who actually did the voice. Nenob, if they named it after him. Sounds <laughs> all right. <laughs> Neob. It's just a face floating and it's kind of got human eyes and some yeah. of it's got a sort of masked out. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. It's, it's weird. It's yet another omnipotent trickster. Not only is this concept wearing very thin, but the character they've created here adds nothing new. No. Is it still the writer's strike? No, it's not. Oh, really? Yeah. Grief. He points out that Pulaski and Troy are constructed differently, meaning they are women. Oh, straight out of Jean's memo, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> he asks to see how procreation is done, and Pulaski says, not likely. <laughs> Meaning that there was a chance. <laughs> anyway, straight after the Troy violation episode, this season has some kind of tone. Yeah, that's true. Nagelum says, you guys are weird with your limited existence. You exist and then you cease to exist. Your minds call it death. Then, I couldn't believe this happened. This bright and up-and-coming star of the Federation, <laughs> Ensign Haskell, grabs no. his head, falls to the floor in the field position, and dies. Oh, no. What? He had lines. He spoke. Uh, you can't kill him. He was played by the actor Charles Douglas. Sorry for your loss. <laughs> Sorry for your loss. From memory alpha, Douglas appeared in the late 70s in the drama Getting Together, 1976, and in the drama Short Eyes, 1977. He had guest roles. Short Eyes. Yeah, it beats me. Hmm. He had guest roles in episodes of ABC's After School Special in 1982, Family Ties in 1983, Fame in 1983, <laughs> Knott's Landing in 1985, Mama's Family in 1988, Falcon's <laughs> Crest in 1988. And following his work on Star Trek Next Generation, Douglas portrayed the, an officer in the 1990 television action film Dangerous Passions. And that bio was longer than his screen time in this episode. I just want to remember him. You're sweet at doing that. You always give the red shirts a name and try and, you know, honor them a little bit. He's a person. <laughs> and the actor was a person. And, you know, he's probably really stuck to get to be on Star person, Trek. hopefully. After he dies there, Nagillam says that in order to understand death, he'll need to observe every kind of dying. What kind of dying was the one we just had? He just... Head grab fetal position dying? <laughs> Is it shocked to death or something? Who knows? It's a very bizarre performance. Maybe that's what Rafe was referring to when he said there was the ultimate sick bay gurning challenge coming up. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's some yep. good gurning, yeah. Picard says, I ain't gonna let that happen. And he calls a meeting into the briefing room and says he plans on blowing up the ship. <laughs> it's not much of a meeting, is it? No, no. So what do you think about this? It's a Kirk poker move, isn't it? But it doesn't really work with these characters. I don't know if it is a poker move. Well, God, that's giving him the benefit of the doubt, I mm. suppose. If he's killing them all because he refuses to have people played with and tortured, rather than it being a strategic yeah. move, he's killing two-thirds who didn't have to die without respecting their autonomy to choose. Mm -hmm. I think that would be something you'd put to a ship-wide vote. Maybe. Well, you know, this is people's it's, lives. It's not a democracy. Could he have said, okay, we'll send two-thirds of our crew away on the saucer and you can kill the rest of us? Would that be something? Mm, yeah. Or here's a load of computer data on all the ways to die. Just enjoy that. <laughs> Maybe some movies. You know, snuff films if you have to. Or just some good films where people die in different ways. Yeah. Didn't try anything else today. It's just preposterous that this entity is so powerful that it can just make a couple starships in a second. Yeah. But it doesn't know anything about yeah. how humans die. Or it just can't scan them and look at their biology. and Their memories. Know, and understand it. Yeah. It's preposterous. The whole thing's ridiculous. It's another sick light being. Yeah. Playing with life and death. And, yeah. Yeah. 
I hate this Callous. stuff. So Riker and Picard go to engineering and set the self-destructs to go off in eh, 20 minutes? <laughs> yeah, why not? Sure. I guess it's to give folks some time to make peace with what's going down. Yeah, they just casually decide on that as a round number. Sure, why not? <laughs> you figure everyone would just be going at it at this point. Mm. But Picard is sitting down with a good book and some music. That's so Picard, though. When Deanna comes in, she tells him that it's a bad idea. And the Data comes in and also says it's a bad idea, but they're acting weird. And he checks to find out the Data's on the bridge. They're fakes. Mm. And he shouts, that's not going to work, Nagilam. They did have good points, though, that he shouldn't be making this decision for everyone. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, I agree. And why was Deanna on the bridge? She should have been there counselling him. Of course. In the last moments of his death, maybe to save everyone's life. Yeah. <laughs> The imposters disappear, and then, all of a sudden, it seems like they're out of the void. They're back mm. in regular space. Picard tells them to fly to warp six, just in any direction. He still doesn't turn off the self-destruct. He's not sure if this thing's a trick, but at the last minute, he cancels it. More annoying than tense. Yeah, it's totally. You know he's going to cancel it. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah. There's no uncertainty. No. Like, when you set stakes in any riding... There's got to be something you're not sure how it's going to go one way or the other. Yeah. If all the characters are going to live, okay, but there should be some kind of cost. Yeah. There's no cost. No. no. There's nothing at stake. And people look a bit nervous, but generally they're calm. And no one's trying to convince them out of it. This would be a great opportunity for people to present certain arguments <laughs> about how to proceed. But nope. Yeah. I tell you, Michael Burnham wouldn't be up for it, would she? She'd be phasering the heck out of him. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, Picard goes into his office and Nagilam appears on the screen. Well, Nagilam, I hope you got what you needed. You have provided me with much more than I needed. Why did you release us? You could have seen the way we faced death. It wasn't necessary. I have learned all I needed to know. Would you like me to share some of my conclusions? Not interested. Oh, of course you are. You were too inquisitive not to want to know. You seem to find no tranquility in anything. You struggle against the inevitable. You thrive on conflict. You are selfish, yet you value loyalty. You are rash, quick to judge, slow to change. It's amazing you've survived. Be that as it may, as species, we have no common ground. You're too aggressive, too hostile, too militant. During this period, you too have been evaluated. It would seem that we have at least one thing in common. Oh? Curiosity. The point is well taken, Captain. Perhaps that is a trait we share. And perhaps we shall meet again. But next time, it will be out here among the stars. What? As Greg would say, let's wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? By seeing that they would rather do mass suicide than have a third experimented on, he's learned all that BS about being a human, which got nothing to do with the oh episode. Everything he's just said is made up bollocks and completely irrelevant to yeah. what's happened. Yeah. And then instead of Picard getting a zinger in, like I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> Picard says, oh, but we're both curious. Take care. Oh, got God. to make sure they don't all get killed as they're escaping. Suppose, and that's yeah. fair enough. Yeah. Uh, this thing was about to murder them, though. Yeah. Yeah, it was. But then we end with Riker telling Wesley to stay clear of holes. <laughs> like Riker has ever stayed clear of any hole. <laughs> any hole is a goal. 
<laughs> so that gets us into concepts. Oh, brother, this is going to be a short concept section, Chris. It made very little sense. I've no idea what the guy had died of, mm. but Pulaski couldn't do anything about it mm. to save him. Yeah. Another being just hanging around alone, waiting to trap and torture the crew, and then they're able to outwit it. But they didn't. They just, like, were going to kill themselves. And then goes like, eh, I'm yeah. not interested. I guess Is that, that witty? I presume it was a play. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Picard hoped that it would have that effect. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's not a good one. Nah. Um, I'm going to give it in concepts. I, I wrote down three out of ten, but I don't even know if it deserves that. <laughs> I'm going to give it two out of ten. What about the concept of a fake ship that you can beam onto, but then it's got all sort of weird, trippy stuff going on? Is no, that good? No. Do you like calisthenics on the uh, holodeck? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of fun. Did it make anything of it, though? Did okay, it? I'll give it a three. I'll give it a three, too. Entertainment. I wasn't exactly bored, but it wasn't memorable. No. Quite annoying. It really smacked of the writer's strike. A TOS story crowbarred into this crew. Well, this is the first episode to feature a completely original script after the 1988 Writers Guild of America strike. Wow. So. Maybe they got rusty. (laughs) (laughs) It was an unappealing, uninteresting baddie. A weird start to the second season. Sort of lack of teamwork. Didn't even really ask for people's opinions in the meeting. Disturbing-ish, but not tense. No. We were stuck on the bridge most of the time. And you said they must have blown the budget on the holodeck scene at the <laughs> beginning. Yeah, you know, there's when you're talking about that, there is no idea. I kind of, This goes back to concepts. Like, they were faced with a challenge. There's yeah. no, like, trying different things. There's no exploring of ideas because that's yeah. what concept's about. Yeah. We're being experimented on. Let's kill ourselves. Yeah. Okay, that's the end. That's so the end of the episode. Which crew member is going to represent the alternative side to that? Say, Bev, you know, could have... Yeah. Been the type who would or, argue for a different approach. Yeah, or Troy, but the yeah, only time someone. that happened was not Troy. It, yeah. was the, it, yeah. it just didn't make any sense. No. For first-time director Winrich Gol- Golber, the challenge was to make the show visually interesting while shooting five days on the bridge set. He said, The bridge is intriguing when you step on it for the first time and look at it for about ten minutes. Then it becomes an utter crashing ball because it's nothing but tan walls and a few twinkling lights. I did a lot of choreography on that show. It's probably the script that has the most notes on where actors move every step. You have to keep the camera constantly moving, and that was a hell of a challenge. Well, you tried, and apparently he became a very well-respected and prolific director for Star Trek. Oh, well, good, good. That was from Captain's Logs, the unauthorized Complete Trek Voyages. It's the script. I don't fault the director at all. It's just not a good script. Well, here's Morris Hurley. Oh, Morris. He of Bev dumping fame Mm -hmm. was quite pleased with the majority of the show although he felt that the ending didn't work he stated what that show what that show was to me (laughs) probably sounds like what that show was to me was our guys at three in the morning they hear a noise in the attic i put a pillow over my head and go back to sleep and i hope it's nothing they got up to find out oh boy what is it that's what the show was does that make any sense (laughs) jesus so lame (laughs) Oh, God, I'm so glad this guy's out of here after the season. There's some good episodes oh, this season. Yeah, yeah. What was the point of the holodeck sequence? 
something interesting to happen. Character. Some cool monsters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh just God. some neat monsters and some fighting, I Never guess. Paid off. What if Worf's Klingonness or his sort of out of controlness is what saved the day? Yeah. Everyone else was being way too calm and maybe he forces Picard not to destruct the ship mm-hmm. by some aggressive means and that's what saves them. Or, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Pulaski shows up to snark and save no lives. Yep. Three out of ten. I wasn't bored. Yeah, no, I was bored. Because it was just like, oh, get on with it. Get mm. two out of I'm going to say two Ooh, out of ten. I'm yikes. going low. I'm going low on this one. This one's a, a crap well, sandwich. I think this is a fairly liked episode, so tell us well, what you think out there. Not by me. <laughs> Sexiness. Nothing to speak of. No Bev. It wanted them to demonstrate copulation for its interest. Two out of five. Yeah, why would it care? Yeah, two out of five. Stupid experts. Getting closer to it despite the probes going missing is stupid. Mm. Picard's idea saved over 100 people and saved everyone maybe from years of torture being killed in different ways. Mm -hmm. But it could have killed them all and destroyed the ship. He knew nothing of the being to base his decision on. And he gave them 20 minutes. Like... He could have said a few days or, you know, he could have had some time to think it through. Troy was no help. There were no meetings to get expert opinions. He just took a chance. Yeah. Three out of five? Maybe higher. Put down two out of five. But now that that argument you made there, yeah, like three out of five. They did survive because of the decision he made. But was that just dumb luck or great strategy? That's bad writing is what I call that. Anyway, your guesses. Well, yes, it was like every other episode. Playing a game with them, mm, ish. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Riker-centric, more ensemble. Picard wasn't incapacitated. It wasn't really Riker who outmaneuvered it. Troy was not away. Well, physically she was there. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to celebrate a few more three-year anniversaries. Oh, that sounds exciting. Beautiful patrons. Thank you and happy anniversary too. Ensign James Holloway. Hey, James. I know James. Ah. Yes. Lieutenant Commander Phil Jensen. Ah. Hey, Phil. Ensign Sean Sunset. Lieutenant Jim Morphus Goss. Lieutenant Michael Murphy. Lieutenant Jeremy Impson. Ensign Richard Sullivan. Lieutenant Alan Ricks. Lieutenant Andrew Buchanan. And Lieutenant H.P. Loveshaft. All right. And we've caught up with the three-year anniversaries now, so we can just sprinkle in a few as we go along. Thank you, everybody, who joined us in those early days. So appreciate you. Thank you so much. Well, let's put on the teaser for the next episode of Next Gen. Also, please leave the room. Next time on Star Trek, The Next Generation. I accept your challenge, Doctor. I wouldn't miss it. Dr. Pulaski challenges Data to solve the Sherlock Holmes mystery in the holodeck. There is your killer. Seize her! But the evil Moriarty seizes the ship's computer. The time for games is over. In a ruthless plot to sabotage the Enterprise on Star Trek The Next Generation. Next week, with our little friend, little friend, <laughs> say hello to my little friend, Kristina Bajinski. Yeah. So we'll look forward to welcoming her and hanging. Yeah. She's that's a, Greg's wife. Yes. She's a woman in her own right. Oh my gosh. She's an amazing artist, a talented Beautiful. author, sci-fi author, and a huge fan of Star Trek. Hey. So I'm looking forward to talking with her next week. All right. And with that, I'm Rachel Lackey. And I'm Chris Lackey. And you've been listening to Rachel Watches Star Trek. <laughs>
Star Trek.